Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to the conversation in Get Right for Sunday. Today, we're going to discuss the readings for the third Sunday of Easter. And joining us for this conversation is Pastor Walther from Good Shepherd. Welcome. Hey, I'm glad to be here. And uh, your daughter church uh, from Holy Cross and, uh, you know, just a few miles down the road there on the other side of Collinsville. But we're glad to come and discuss these uh, awesome lessons. These, it is exciting, and especially coming off of Easter. And one of the things that I appreciate is we don't have this big event and then the church just moves on. We really kind of sit and stew in this. And uh, with our readings, which you can listen to on the readings podcast that were that was dropped yesterday, we see that we're in Acts, we're in First John, and the Gospel of St. Luke. And all three of these readings really tie together, talking about what happened in the resurrection, and more importantly, who and what we are in that very resurrection. I really like uh, St. Peter in the first lesson. He gives this sermon, and he makes some really bold statements. And the first bold statement comes in verse 14. And it is, but you, Israel, the men of Israel, denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murder to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And I like that witness idea, first of all, because we have the Gospels as witnesses. We have the epistles reflecting that witness. But that witness is preached and given to us as fact, as the promise, as the fulfillment. So, Peter, Again, making this bold statement. And what I like is, again, throughout the Gospels, he makes really bold statements, but it's knee-jerk responses or this is the answer without the full connecting the dots of faith. And especially to this crowd, because this crowd is unique. It's not just simple people who showed up. But there are people connected to a lot that's happening. One of the things that is fascinating is that Peter's not afraid to point out who these people are. And um, as we were talking before we recorded, the idea, as Pastor Walter said, that this is law and gospel all at the same time. And I thought that was really interesting because I've always pretty much heard law. And not that Peter finally has a chance to, to point the finger and say, it's your fault. You did this. But he really kind of envelops everybody. And it's not just the, the big general, Jesus died for everybody, and my sins, your sins, your sins, your sins, put him on the cross. But he's talking to these specific people uh, in connection to what they did. They asked for Barabbas. They asked for the crucifixion. They cried out, kill him, release the murderer. And 
Peter points this out. But I think, you know, again, talking before recording, he does this to educate. It's not just to beat them down. It's not just to, look, I'm better than you. And I wonder uh, how much his denial is on his mind in connection to all of this. Yeah, that, that that's exactly what I'm thinking as well. Like, So Peter is really bold here, calling them out for what they have done. And it might look on the surface, if this is the only passage you read, it might look a little like uh, he's really uh, picking on them. And But you got to remember, Peter denied the Lord three times, and he wept bitterly yeah. about that. Right. And then, this is already past now, Jesus restored Peter. And he restored Peter, you know, do you love me? Do you love me? And feed my sheep. And Peter's basically telling these guys, you got to go through the same thing I went through. Uh, you've got to face your sins and realize what has happened here. We have all denied the Lord. Uh, he doesn't say it with a we here, uh, and that's interesting. Yeah. But uh, it's a very bold um, uh, second person. You, you did this, and that's a, uh, 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 it, it's sharp, uh, but that's what they needed. And, and, yeah, and, and so even when he says, you killed the author of life, he also very quickly brings up the fact that this was planned by God. So, yeah, it was, it was absolutely wrong for you to do this, but at the same time, God knew what he was doing, and he let this happen so that in this death of God's son, the author of life, you might have life. And it really comes down to verse 19. You know, repent, therefore, turn back from your sins, uh, turn back that your sins may be blotted out. You know, that's where Peter's, Peter wants everybody to go there. He's been there. He wants you to go there with him. Yeah. And I really like that because now, now it becomes pastoral instead of a lecture. Uh, you got caught. You're the bad guys. This is what happened. But it puts us back into the plan of God in what God delivers to us, giving us perfection in the Garden of Eden. And what do we do? We rebel. But he comes in with a plan. And now through the death and resurrection, we see that plan fulfilled. And this is what God sent Jesus to do. And as you said, it's not that, hey, it was the plan. You guys played your part right. Good job. No, because of your sin, this is why Christ came, to fulfill the plan because of all of mankind's disobedience, rebellion, and sin. And I, I think it's just fascinating, once again, and this is what Lent points to, the depths of our sin and the need of salvation. And it's still being proclaimed. It's still being given to us. And as you pointed out with Peter, he offers that quickly because he doesn't just let it hang. You evil people, look what you did. It's you killed him and he comes to you to save you even from that sin. And the pastoral aspect because Peter connects himself in this. And I like what you said, you too have to go through this. And that's a humbling statement because again, preaching, it's never you people, not me, because I'm better than you guys. We need to sit and stew in this. We need to repent. We need to have our sins blotted out. And then as pastor, let us go 
I'll, I'll, I'll lead. But it's because I need the same thing that's being delivered. And I, I like that aspect of Peter because, again, it's not bold, brash Peter. It's humble Peter understanding where salvation is and leading people. I, I think that's fascinating. I think we all kind of react to this in different ways as life goes on. Mm-hmm. As a kid growing up and hearing this, I got it. Yeah, okay, sin is bad. I'm sorry. God forgives. But the interesting thing is as life goes on, it just get, the same thing is there, but it just gets deeper and deeper. Yeah. Uh, my sins become in my eyes, worse and worse. And uh, because I don't know why, you know, as I grow older, I just realize, I see, de- you know, as a child, I don't see that much in terms of death. Uh, everybody I know is alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I grow older, I was just talking about this with one of our members. As you get older, you start to know more people that are dead than are alive. Yeah, I've heard it's just that. the natural course of life. And you see um, the results of sin. And you see why sin is such a sad and, and, and terrible thing. And and as you go on through life, you just see how bad sin is, but also how beautiful forgiveness is and, and how restoring it is. Times of refreshing may come to you from the presence of the Lord. And so it gets deeper and more beautiful uh, all the way through life. Oh, absolutely. And that's the joy of the church. And again, writing the Easter celebration and uh, continuing to hear and have that as we travel in this life. And one of the things that I like is the boldness of St. Peter really comes from what the, the gospel reveals to us. And we have that the the disciples are still frightened. They're still trying to figure things out. And in the Luke text, we have that they're just standing around and Jesus shows up. And I'm still trying to figure this out. Uh, and I don't want to explain it. And I don't want to try to, you know, have a scientific explanation to figure and show into. But the idea that you're just minding your own business, you're still trying to figure out the horrific events of death and resurrection, and Jesus just shows up. And I, I know everybody's had the situation where you're working and you're, you're really just concentrating and everything else is completely blank. And then somebody walks by and it scares you because you see them out of the corner of your eye or, or whatever. And I'm curious if that's what Jesus is doing. You know, how does he approach the disciples? And, you know, just one of those goofy things. But we hear that he stands among them and announces. And I like the idea of announcing. He doesn't just say it. He doesn't just speak it. But he announces, peace to you. And I love this because, again, it points to relationship. Uh, It shows you who abandoned me, you who denied me, you who are scared, you who are still processing peace to you. And that peace is me. And I I love that aspect because Jesus doesn't uh, mince any words, but it is to give them the comfort. It's not to, I hope you get this. No, this is what I've come to do and deliver. And he asks the question, why are you troubled? Why do you doubt? Why do doubts arise in your heart? And this is what I love about Jesus. He doesn't take anything for granted. Touch me. This is really me. See me. Not only am I the guy on the cross, 
but I'm the guy that hung out with you for three years. I'm the guy that did the miracles. I'm the guy that fulfilled all the prophecies. And that peace that I won for you is here. Don't doubt. Be in the peace. Let me prove it. You got some fish? And I, I love that. That's again, my favorite part of yeah. this whole this whole reading is the that he asks for some fish. Well, well it makes you it makes you start to wonder about so this is Jesus in his glorified body, right. same body that uh, ascends to heaven, a same body which uh, we're promised to see ourselves, which John John talks about that we'll see him as he is. Uh, but so will we eat in heaven? Oh uh, yeah, and uh, we don't we won't need to eat. Uh, we're not going to have that curse of of sin and death over us anymore. But maybe God has a plan that says, uh, yeah, you can still eat in heaven, <laughs> and uh, all kinds of great food maybe. <laughs> well, we you know a lot of imagery. You know the the wedding feast. Um, Circles around eating. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, the, the feast, the well-aged wine, mm -hmm. all these things. Isaiah 25, yeah. right. And I'm real curious. I, I've always wondered the same thing. I may not need to eat, but can I? And, mm -hmm. and it'll be perfect. Well, perfect everything. Well, I think maybe at the resurrection, we will, I, I don't know if need's quite the right word, but I think we will participate in those bodily things just without the sin that accompanies them. Well, a Adam and Eve uh, ate before yeah. sin. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they were told you could eat of this uh, fruit of the tree, you know, and uh, that was before sin. So, everything points in that direction. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of nice for me because I love to eat. <laughs> <laughs> well, going back to the, the text, um, we see that Jesus is connecting the points, and he's laying things out. Uh, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And I love this statement. And jokingly, but seriously at the same time, Jesus is the only one without arrogance who can point and say, it's all about me. And, and I love that. Moses, he talked about me. The prophets, they talked about me. Psalms talked about me. And I am here for you. And it is fulfilled. Going back to the words of the cross, it is finished. And here I am for you. And, and I love that, that, that imagery, that, that comfort, that peace. The problem with all of this is, again, how quickly we just move on. Jesus rose, alleluia. Okay, I got to go back to work. I got to I got to do this. I gotta. Well, you know who doesn't move on? The disciples. Yeah. They go out and they immediately start proclaiming this. They they go to the to the Jewish people who are gathered in Jerusalem and they basically like devote themselves to bringing this to them. And and I think the magnitude of what Jesus said, you know, in Luke 24 is even bigger than we sometimes realize because Jesus is saying quite simply the entire Bible is about me. Right. And that that changes the whole way that we read the Old and the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Because we don't see this simply as history, simply as um, a promise to a specific group of people. But we see this as something that encompasses all of us because it's about Christ. And through Christ, we're all brought into that. 
But I think it's also important that the first people that Peter and the disciples go to is the Jewish people, those who have received these promises, those who have heard from Moses and the prophets and the Psalms to tell them, this is this is the fulfillment of what you were promised. This is the fulfillment of what you as a people were given. This is the outline of the sermons in the book of Acts. Uh, Christ fulfills the scriptures. Christ rose from the dead. That that two-part outline is repeated uh, throughout the sermons in the book of Acts. So it's, uh, yeah, it's it's really critical that uh, that yeah, this is what, what, Convince. This is what brings us to faith, you know, right. that these the fulfillment of prophecy is so so important. What a better way! What better way can God prove Himself than to lay out this matrix of prophecies, and then all of a sudden His Son comes in and just shows us how that matrix all comes together. And that's very powerful. That's a very powerful way to communicate the truth uh, to people. Absolutely. And um, while you're talking, and dear listener, I know you can't see, but the the smile, because you really do, um, it's like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, you know, getting all these dots connected. You have all of the Old Testament, and there it is for you. And then you see in Jesus the fulfillment. And just as the disciples with Jesus, Jesus opens their mind to understand understand the scriptures. And of course, that's the Holy Spirit. And in baptism, we're given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and continually works. But it is to deepen faith. It's to deepen understanding, to deepen trust. Because these things are, are phenomenal. And not only are we 2,000 years removed from this event physically, but these things don't make sense unto themselves. People don't come back from the dead. Are my sins really forgiven? Am I really what God says I am? Even though I still struggle in my my sin, my frustration, my anger, my whatever, is this still for me? And that is one of the reasons I love this text, even with its uh, brevity. Jesus comes, peace to you. Let me open your mind to understand scripture. And it's not a brainwashing. It's not, I understand everything. It is just a revelation. Jesus has come and Jesus is here. Well, and Christ, you, Christ is the key right. to understanding all of scripture. And right. what he does is he provides that key. This is not a confining of scripture to one thing. It's an opening up of it to something bigger. It's not that those prophecies in the Old Testament didn't have Old Testament meaning and connection as well, mm-hmm. but they their meaning has, has broadened, centered, and been fully fulfilled in Christ. Well, and what I like about that is, as you were saying before, the whole idea that the disciples don't just, yay, Jesus is alive, and return back to fishing or whatever. Uh, in verse 49, Jesus speaking, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. And it is the idea that they take it out, they live it out, as we've done in our Bible study on the disciples. Not only do we talk about where they go, but how they die, but they do this as witnesses of what they've seen. And the key of Jesus is what we get to see in our epistle lesson with St. John. And just the first verse, so what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God? 
and so we are. And this hits right back to the first reading in Acts. You killed Jesus, and your sins are forgiven because he comes to you. And because of repentance, because of faith, you have what Jesus offers in the crucifixion, in the resurrection, and you are what he says you are. And that is just mind-boggling. And I know my, my old nature, my, my sinful self, rails against this, because then it's the, the question. Uh, it's the question that Satan asks. Did God really say, I'm forgiven? Did God really say, this is mine? And we get to say yes, in spite of the, the, the proof, in spite of the, uh, all the empirical evidence that we think that we need. Jesus still comes. Jesus still lays us. And this is still the truth that we live out today as the children of light, as God's children, baptismal life, all the, the great gifts that have been given to us through the cross are ours. The uh, intro for this Sunday uh, begins and ends with, uh, in your presence is the fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And it really brings together that, that theme that we see in all three of the lessons of the, of the joy of Jesus fulfilling everything for us. And, uh, and yeah, and so in, the, in this uh, epistle lesson, uh, you know, everybody got to see Jesus risen from the dead. Well, uh, we haven't right. exactly in that way, but Jesus talked about that, you know, and, and he said, you know, blessed are those who haven't seen and yet believe, uh, and but we will see him. I mean, the, the believing begins with God's word, which is what he stresses uh, in the fulfillment of the prophecies uh, there. And so, uh, but but eventually it leads to actually seeing uh, and, 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 and experiencing the full fullness of, of God's presence, definitely. And I, I like that because, again, it's faith. Yes, we see Jesus in faith here. Yes, we hear Jesus in faith here. But we're not limited to that because, as you just said, we will see. And, and this should motivate and excite us and animate us to this faithful life of continually seeking out this promise, going out into the world with the key of Scripture, Jesus himself so that others may live, and being what God said we are, his children, to live as his children. And that's what Easter is about and reminds us as we continue through the Easter season. It's not just this little thing that we do. It's not just a little celebration. This is our life here, and this is our life to come. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.